The following is produced by Artisan Church. Welcome to the Artisan Church Podcast, a weekly broadcast of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. To learn more about Artisan Church or to support the ministry, visit www.artisanchurch.com. Oh, am I alive again now? These are trash. Or actually, uh, dispose of them properly according to New York State regulations. All right. Well, what I'd like to start with is I'd like to ask you to think back on a moment when you had your first day somewhere. Some of you immediately have something come to mind. Maybe it's first day on a job, first day at college, first day with a new baby. (laughs) Um, Maybe your first day... At church, for some of you, it might be your first day here at Artisan. Welcome. But all of us here at Artisan had our first day at Artisan at some point or another, and I bet that most of us can remember it. And I'd like to ask you, with one-word answers, how did you feel on your first day at whatever it was, whatever it was for you? One-word answer, how did you feel? Just shout it out. Nervous, trepidation, awkward. What's that? Surprised. Amused, joyful. Ill-fated. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How old are you, Grant? Ten. Uh, you have the uh, you have the pessimism of a of a man many times your age. <laughs> Anybody else? Sorry? Enthralled. Interesting. Huh? Well, somebody already said trepidation. You're going to say trepidatious. Wow, you're getting all adjectival on us here, Ken. (laughs) Welcome. Okay. Overwhelmed. Yes, very common feeling. Invisible. Wow. Well, that's not exactly a one-word answer, but yes, I like it. The only ones who didn't know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Inept. Insecure. Yeah. Are these ringing true for a lot of you? We've all had those experiences where it's our first time doing something, and... We just don't quite know what we're supposed to do or if we fit or if this is the right place for us to be. What we're basically talking about in most of these cases is being a stranger. And it's no fun to be a stranger, is it? Maybe for the most extremely extroverted people, being a stranger is a great time. Like a kid in a candy store. Nothing but new people to meet everywhere. But for most of us, no matter whether we're introverts or extroverts, feeling like a stranger is not a positive experience. 
But I'd like to encourage you to look at that and think about that two ways. The first way is being a stranger yourself and how you feel when you're in that situation. But the other side of that experience and the fact that you've had it is that you can think about what a privilege it might be to find someone else who is in that situation currently and to help them through it. Those of you who've been strangers in various situations, have you ever had the experience where somebody reached out to you and helped you get through that first day, right? We've had that experience. How much better does that make it? And what a privilege it is that all of us could offer that gift to someone else. And here's the neat thing. When you do something like that, you're actually doing something very holy. You're actually doing something that's very much in line with the teaching of the Bible, whether you know it or not. <laughs> the, best, the best obedience to the Bible is the kind that you, just, you don't even know you're doing it. It's like bonus time. But the Bible is quite clear over and over, Old Testament and New, that welcoming strangers is a key part of following the one true God. You know, if you were here a few minutes ago at our confession, you remember that I asked you to think about the words of Jesus at the last judgment, how when we welcome the least of these who are strangers, we're welcoming Jesus. And unfortunately, when we fail to welcome the least of these, we are failing to welcome Jesus. There's another really interesting passage in the Bible that speaks to this. I'd like to read it with you now, and it's in the book of Deuteronomy, which is an Old Testament book. Um, the page number is 147, if you're using the red Bibles that are in the seat pockets or under the chairs there. And while you're finding that page in this Bible or in, in one of your own, I'll give you a little piece of biblical trivia. Did you know what, do you know what Deuteronomy means? Deutero means second, and nomos means law. So the Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. After we've already had everything laid out for the, the Israelites in uh, Leviticus, there's this moment where Moses is about to welcome his people into the promised land. He's not allowed to go himself. He's been disobedient. But he's, he's ushering them in, and he gives them one big last sermon, and it's the Deuteronomy. It's the second telling of the law. Uh, and, of course, the Jewish understanding of the word law isn't exactly our own, but that's a story for another time. Um, in Deuteronomy 10, verses 12 through 22, um, those of you who have this red Bible, this, this section has a heading. What does the heading say? The essence of the law. Now, as you probably know, if you've been around, I talk about this a lot. Those headings, and in fact the numbers uh, in, the, in the books, are not part of the original. So that heading is interpolated into it by an editor. So that's not the same thing as the words of the Bible. Those headings are not inspired the same way the other words are and so forth. Uh, but they can be helpful sometimes. Uh, other times they can be ways of reading out particular doctrine that's not there. <laughs> um, and we can talk about Ephesians uh, 5 and 6 another time. But um, this is the essence of the law, the very heart of the law uh, according to these editors, who I'm inclined to agree with in this case. So now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? 
Only to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Does that sound familiar? Jesus quoted that, didn't he? And to keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his decrees that I am commanding you today for your own well-being. Although heaven and the heaven of heavens belong to the Lord your God, the earth with all that is in it, Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your ancestors alone and chose you, their descendants after them, out of all the peoples as it is today. Uh, And then here's a very strange thing to our ears. Circumcise then the foreskin of your heart and do not be stubborn any longer. Don't have time to explain that, but the brief version is that Moses is instructing the people to uh, to, to show the sign of their covenant with God spiritually and in their heart not just on their physical bodies. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who is not partial and takes no bribe, who executes justice for the orphan and the widow and and who loves the strangers, providing them food and clothing. Now this is an odd thing because the whole essence of Judaism as we've come to understand it is that he's just said that you are special people set apart, but... Yahweh, that God loves the strangers, provides them food and clothing. Here's the command. You shall also love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. Him alone you shall worship. To him you shall hold fast, and by his name you shall swear. And it goes on from there. Loving strangers is the natural response to being loved by God as strangers ourselves. Uh, And for the Israelites, it was that they were strangers in captivity in Egypt, and God led them out of that. Um, for us, we were strangers in different sense. Um, and it's our, our response to being welcomed by God is to welcome other people. So this whole series is about hospitality, recovering a lost art. And it's something that we ought to practice together as a church community. Uh, and the truth is that, that sometimes we may need a little bit of work in that department as artisan church. And we're going to be talking about that in future weeks. But today, what we're going to start talking about is uh, how we can be hospitable in our individual lives. Sometimes, isn't it a little bit easier to take a step on your own, and then maybe when we all take those steps together on our own, if that makes any sense, when when we try to take them as a community, it's a little bit easier. We all have that muscle memory and so forth. But when I think about people who are hospitable at home, artisan folks who are hospitable at home, People who do an absolutely stellar job at it, the first people who come to mind to me are Dell and Mark Ippolito. Um, and many of you have been the recipients of their hospitality, haven't you? Anybody raise your hand if you've been recipients of Mark and Dell's hospitality. That's a lot of hands for one, one couple. Uh, and so what we're going to spend a little bit of time here talking about is how they do that and why they do that and where and when and so forth. All those journalism questions. Um, I'm going to be our reporter, and uh, I'd like to invite you guys to come up right now. Would you please do that? And we'll talk hospitality together. We've gotten some biblical basis. Sometimes it can be really helpful to get some practical help. Um, The taller one of you should sit on the uh, shorter stool, you know, for visual appeal. And I'm going to ask you to use microphones. If you could take that one. And then we have this fancy one over here. We can share, Scott, like that 
No, it's fine. No problem. Probably have to change the batteries in this eventually too. But um, all right. So, Mark and Dell, can you tell us uh, a little bit about what has come to be known as Monday night dinners? Monday Night Dinners is our local neighborhood potluck. Uh, we started about three or four years ago, and it just grew out of just neighborhood dinners that we would have across the street. And eventually, we started inviting a lot more people than across the street could kind of handle. So we had a house, and we just said, everybody... From now on, come over to 73 Asbury Street um, and enjoy a meal on Monday night. So this is going to be a podcast, and you just gave your address, so uh, you might want to make some extra food next week. <laughs> There's really two rules with Monday night dinner, and the first rule, there is no Monday night dinner. No, <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> the second rule, and this is the, the core of hospitality, is... Just come. Hmm. Some people come. think that you have to bring something. And um, for us is... <laughs> Serge is saying you don't have to bring something. He knows this from personal experience, it sounds like. Um, <laughs> we've never, ever run out of food. Yeah. And um, we've always had enough. Um, and we would prefer the company of... Close friends, new friends, strangers, than worrying about how we would get food to them. Huh. So you're saying, help me out here, you're saying it's more important to make friends and be friends than to have enough food? To show up. Show up. Um, Del, maybe you can tell us, why do you, why do, you do this? That's a big question. <laughs> Open-ended question. Um, honestly... It's, I think when I think about why I do it, primarily for what you said about welcoming people, and this is a practical way of welcoming people. Um, we have a house. Um, I think more deeply, it's, it's, it's really about showing kindness and showing Jesus' love to people. Um, I want people to feel like they can connect with me. Uh, but I also want them to feel like they're being welcomed and received in a very tangible and practical way. And it's also I want them to connect with other people. Um, so it's sort of like, you know, the Lord, me, and other people. Um, and that's sort of the, the, the trifecta, and it, it sort of boils down to hospitality. Yeah. So you mentioned your house, and Mark, you, maybe you can tell me about your house a little bit. You must have um, seven, eight bedrooms. You probably have a really, really big kitchen for food prep, right? <laughs> you have one of those granite countertops, I'm sure, and a dining room with a table, I mean oak, right? You saw the HGTV episode. <laughs> no. Um, we made a conscious decision. After we moved to Rochester about five years ago, we bought a fixer-upper. <laughs> Actually, we bought a fixer-fixer-upper, and... Um, <laughs> we started to think about inviting people over and we had to get this done, we have to get this done, we have to get this done. 
And then we made a, a real conscious decision. If we ever got the house the way we really wanted it, um, our great-grandchildren might invite people over. <laughs> so we have a normal Rochester house, and sometimes 35 people come over, and they eat food on their laps in the living room, and sometimes only four people come over, and we change the word from potluck to family dinner, mm-hmm. and we just sit around and just have fun. Um, it's just a normal Rochester house, and there's a lot of work that needs to be done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, to, to state the obvious, you, you don't feel like you have to get your house totally right. Uh, the setting doesn't have to be perfectly uh, convenient in order to do something like this. The slight rule is that if you show up before 6.30, you help vacuum. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Note to self, don't show up to Monday night dinner before 6.30 or you'll have to vacuum. No. <laughs> um, Del, you and I were talking as we were doing some work here with our, some other folks in our church and with our neighbors. We were doing some, uh, on Wednesday some cleanup along Highland Parkway. And we were talking about the difference between entertaining and hospitality. And you had some really uh, pretty powerful thoughts on that, I thought. Would you, uh, maybe you can't remember, but you know, if, if not, off the top of your head. What's the difference between entertaining and being hospitable? Um, <clears throat> I think if I just had to, I'm going to be direct. Uh, the difference between entertaining and hospitality is that entertaining is about you and hospitality is about the other person. Um, I, when I... I'm <laughs> just going to be honest here. I had a couple of, I think early when we started having people over for Monday night dinner, I'd be like, come on, we got to clean up all. And really crazy. Let's get the house, you know, really neat because, you know, we d- we're having all these people over. And then I felt like one day the conviction of the Holy Spirit just being like, you know, you don't have to be perfect. You know, this is not about presenting something that comes together perfectly, that the house is always neat. This is about creating a welcoming environment for people, you know, um, and letting them actually see, you know, you don't have it all together, you know, and letting them feel like family. Like if your mom was coming over, yeah, you might tidy up a little bit, you know, you might get things a little neater, but for the most part, you're not going to go crazy um, unless, you know, but, but for the most part, it's, it's really about connecting with another person and, Having creating a space where someone can be listened to and heard and noticed and seen. Um, Mother Teresa inspires me. I don't know this, the quote specifically, but you know it's something to the effect that you know people suffer more for hunger of love than hunger for bread. You know, and um, how can I provide love? I don't have a lot of resources, but this is one way in which. I can do it. You know, I don't have to have it all together. In fact, having it all together sort of makes other people like they need to have it all together. They need to be sort of perfect. They need to bring the right dish. No, you know, come. This is us. You know, you're welcome. You're family. Yeah. You're a new friend or whatever, but you're welcome. Now, we have, um, we have some people at Artisan here who, who do like a stellar job with really great presentation. Some of our refreshments people, right. for example, bring right. things that right. just will amaze you. Right. And uh, so is it wrong to do something like that? 
No, again, I go back to, is it about you or is it about them? I would say that for you to do something beautiful for someone is a total gift. It's all about attitude. It's mm-hmm. all about, you know, am I here to impress or am I here to bless? You know, and if you're here to be a blessing, then, you know, there are a lot of really gifted and talented people here. I mean, I, I don't want to throw any specific names, but some people can really cook. Some people can really bake. Some people can create, like, the craziest, most beautiful artwork that I'm totally envious of. But they're using their particular gift to bless other people. And so if you're really meticulous and good at something and that's your way of showing kindness and compassion, run with it. If you're, using, if you're really talented and you're using it to impress people, then you need to sort of do a heart check. You know, why am I doing this? You know, why am I doing this? And that's sort of what, you know, when I was scurrying about yelling at my kids to pick up their toys, you know, heart check, you know, what, what's going on? And that's what I would ask you to ask more than anything else is why am I doing this and how can I be a blessing rather than impressing someone? That's a wonderful challenge. <laughs> so, Mark, this... Um, uh, yeah, Moody, do you have a question? Yeah, Moody's saying that you know, a lot of people don't see that. That, if I'm hearing you right, that what we've been put here for, you know, that we have an opportunity to, to bless other people and receive a blessing in doing that. Yeah, that's good. You know, um, I was going to ask you, what, um, how could somebody go about trying to do this sort of thing in their own life? If they, you know, it's it's kind of hard to go zero to sixty in one second. Um, but Mark, do you have any advice for somebody who might want to try something sort of like this just for one, the first time? Or I, I think Dell would have a little bit more advice than I do. I do want to add something, though. Um, okay, you add that, and then Dell had some advice. Yes, <laughs> we'll go for that one. Um, I'd like to kind of expand on Dell's just a bit. For me, the Monday night dinners is a core. Um, it answers one of the core um, uh, missions, and it's to know and be known by both God and others and mm. personally. So I think kind of to go around the question a bit um, and to have Dell help me a bit, for me, I am known, I am loved and known in community. I know and love other people in community. Um, I am not perfect. I, have a, I get a lot of things right and I get more things wrong. And at Monday night dinners, sometimes there are a lot of things wrong. But the essence of community is knowing and loving and understanding and forgiving. So for me, the Monday night dinner is a way that I found is to that knowing, loving, understanding, forgiving others. Mm. Um, And I think the answer to your question is, what activity in my life, the person can ask themselves, 
gets to that knowing, loving, hmm. understanding, forgiving. It could be giving an extra five bucks and asking a friend to go out for a beer. That could be a start of hospitality. Or it could be, you know, um, doing some type of other activity with someone, one or two or three other guys or ladies or something like that. So I think that's, that could be a start. It doesn't have to be in a house as much as it is um, time-related. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I think that's a great answer to that question. Actually, what I'd like to do in the last couple of minutes, if, if you don't mind, is if, uh, if there's anybody here who has a question for Mark and Dell, I'd like to give you a chance to ask those questions and hear uh, some wisdom from them. What questions might you have for Mark and Dell? Rudy. What is the cleanup like, he says. <laughs> Did you have an answer to that, Sturz? Hellish. <laughs> Actually, um, it's, I, think what, I think the other part of hospitality at some point, because you know your family and everything, is sometimes you ask for help. So, we, you know, we've had people help us load up the dishwasher, um, put dishes in the sink. You know, I mean, yeah, we have a couple of dishes in the morning or in the evening. Uh, for the most part, Mark's been really good about cleaning up. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, I would say just asking for help. I mean, that's the other part, you know, letting people into your life. And so realizing, you know, if I do need help, I'll just ask. So yeah, yeah. It's, I mean... I want, I want to say, you know, we, we try to get to everyone. So if we haven't invited you over, open invitation. Um, what was that address again? 73. 73 Asbury. Asbury. It's right down the street here. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I th- I'd say, you know, ask for help. That's what we do. Yeah. Moody, to answer your question directly, it's a pain in the neck, but it's worth it. Awesome. <laughs> One or two more questions for Mark and Dell. Yeah, Shane. So let me repeat that question for people who might be listening to the recording of this. Shane's saying that they live in a neighborhood that maybe isn't as classy as 73 Asbury. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, and, I mean, it, it can be harder to invite people because there's some, maybe some nervousness, nervousness about that part of town. Uh, Shane, I would, I would say to there's a, there's a book that's called Open Heart, Open Home, and there's another one called Making Room. I think you have to sort of know the stage at which you are, okay, and the environment in which you are. Um, You have children. You have a responsibility to your children, your wife. I would say that there are ways to be hospitable without inviting them into your home. Uh, We've had a situation where there's a child in our neighborhood whose parents are very difficult, and we sort of struggled with whether or not we should invite her in. She's just sort of like a latchkey kid, so we use our porch. We're kind of like, you're okay on the porch, but because we don't know you, you know, we don't know your family situation. I even talked to a police officer about it. He was like, because I was like, I really want to invite her over. He's like, you don't, you got to be really careful. Hmm. So I would pray for discernment for one. Uh, one thing that you did uh, that I noticed, I, I'm not on Facebook a lot, but I was really, something you did, um, you had a baseball game you had going on or something or with Josiah. You know, um, 
again, it's about meeting a need and picking one thing and doing it faithfully and joyfully. Mm-hmm. You know, if it starts with just reaching out to the kids who are around you, that's where I would begin, you know, with the obvious things. Um, maybe at some point, and, you know, I was thinking about this, you know, as we grow, as we don't have responsibilities to small children, maybe it'll be that, you know, we're willing to have someone, you know, at our house live with us who just came out of prison. I mean, whatever it is, but we have to sort of know the stage in which we find ourselves. We have to have a certain amount of boundaries, you know, and we have to leave room for other people who can do things to, to do it. That's why we're, you know, a body of Christians. Everybody's at a different life stage where they can sort of take up for, you know, for the slack that we can. I mean, we don't have people over every day, mm. you know, but maybe at a different stage in our lives, we'll be able to have people over every day, you know. So just to sort of start small and start faithful. I mean, maybe in your community, what you need to do is continue that t-ball game and say, you know, hey, we're going to be here every Tuesday, and just build relationship. I mean, the idea is building relationship um, and, and even modeling that to your, you know, your, your, your community and being a light where you are. You know, and I, sorry, I'm going okay. on and on about it, but I mean, you know, think about a small flame. You know, I mean, small flames can cause huge fires, you know, and so I would just say be a small flame. Be where you are, you know, start small and faithful and say, you know, this is what we're going to be doing for the next six weeks or whatever, six months, and do that and be there and just show up, you know, in your way. You know, we don't want you to be like, well, Dell and Mark have Monday night dinner every Monday. We should be doing that. No. <laughs> God, you know, God has gifted you uniquely and specially to do something. Do that. You know, and if you don't know what that is, pray about it and you will, God will start to give you opportunities. Um, the one thing I want to just say, um, just to answer your question, Scott, is about awareness you know, notice somebody. Just, mm. just, just notice someone. That's where it begins. You know, notice. You know, is there someone who I haven't seen here before? You know, just even to, just that one act of awareness can lead you to a different place. Mm. Um, yes, what, last question. Yeah, thank you. I would agree, Ken, that we sometimes have unfair uh, expectations of neighborhoods, both in good and bad directions. Um, And we could say a lot about that, but we'll leave it there for now. Um, We could talk for an hour with you guys. We really could, and um, we don't have time. So what I want to say to you is thank you so much for sharing this morning, but most of all, thank you for doing what you do and being who you are. Um, So join me in thanking Mark and Dell. Well, we've talked about meals, <laughs> Monday night dinner specifically. Um, and one of the things that I think is really and truly fascinating about our faith is that Jesus instituted what is probably the most important ritual of our Christian faith at dinner, around a table with his disciples who were 
basically a band of idiots, um, including one who was about to betray him later that night. And he, he took the bread and the wine and instituted Holy Communion, that matchless hospitality that he offers to us, started around the dinner table. And that's why sometimes when we're talking about communion and we're trying to help you decide whether it's the right thing for you to take it or not, we say, imagine that Jesus was inviting you to dinner at his house and would you, would you eat with him? Would you say yes to that invitation? Um, and if you would say yes, then that might be a good indication that communion is the right thing for you to do. Um, strictly speaking and traditionally speaking, it's a, it's a sacrament that people who are believing Christians and baptized Christians partake of. Um, we don't always follow that to that letter. Um, and uh, if I say too much more about that, I might get myself in theological trouble with, with, with some of you. But <laughs> today, at least, let this be a table of welcome to all who would eat with Jesus, to all who would come to his table and uh, receive from him that, that food for your souls um, because you have hungry souls. We're going to continue to worship God uh, in singing, and so the band will be coming back up. But the table is open now, and I invite you to come and receive from Jesus uh, the meal that he offers to you. Um, let's worship him together.